0: hello and welcome to paganology a podcast where we will be talking about paganism folklore witchcraft and dark history i am your host ashley and together we will be diving into the magical secret and ancient pagan realm it has been a hot minute (laughs) I remember when you were a kid and it felt like time was going by so slowly and now that you're an adult you blink and months have gone by. That is honestly how I feel these days. So that's what happened to me. (laughs) There has been a lot going on behind the scenes but time has flown by and a big factor for that for me is work unfortunately. I recently got a new boss and they have come in and done so many changes to many, many things. And it has been a little bit chaotic and very stressful, which has even gone to the point where I'm actually looking for a new job, which is kind of a big deal because it shows how miserable I am at the moment. <laughs> um, I truly love my job. So for me to make that decision, it's been a little bit hard, a little bit stressful, but that is where I'm at right now. I truly loved it and now I feel so discouraged not to mention I've just been grinding so much to the point where I don't even take lunches or breaks anymore which to me that's kind of the like tipping point to be like okay this needs to change. I hope that you are all doing very well and I hope you all had a lovely Yule season. If you are in the northern hemisphere I hope that winter is treating you very well also. (laughs) I know for me it's been interesting. It has been kind of warm here. I know it's still in like the negative Celsius, but it's been kind of warm, which is not really normal for where I live. I'm one of those freaks who loves the like minus 30 to minus 40 degree temperature range. I know. (laughs) You probably all hate me, but I really like that time and that weather. And it's been hovering around the minus 10. And when it hovers around the minus 10, that's when we get a lot of snow and a lot of ice storms. Which, by the way, it is snowing like crazy right now as I'm recording this. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty white outside right now. One thing, when it's minus 30 to minus 40 degrees Celsius, it is just cold. And there are no storms, no snow, and it's the clearest night ever when it's that cold. And you see all the stars. Honestly, it's even more beautiful than in the summertime. For some reason in the winter when it's really cold, the sky and the stars are just beautiful. My love for winter has inspired today's podcast episode. Not that her story takes place in the winter, but because she is a resident of the North like I am. Also, she is pretty amazingly terrifying, and I'm talking about Baba Yaga. She is literally what I'm striving to be in my life, you know, a witch lives in the woods in a, you know, a little cabin. (laughs) That's honestly my goal in life right now. I am going to do something a little different and actually tell the story of Baba Yaga and then do a little brief chat about it afterwards. So this is a perfect time to grab a cup of hot tea or cocoa and get cozied up. Like many folk tales, there are some variations to them as always. So if you have heard the story of Baba Yaga and you know that it's slightly different than what I'm telling you, that is because there are so many variations of this story. But let's dive into the story of Baba Yaga together. Somewhere in the eastern part of Europe, where it gets bitterly cold in the winter, there is a dark forest. If you are ever brave, foolish, or ignorant enough to go wandering through that forest, there is a good chance that you might come across a peculiar house. It is a wooden hut but it's like no other that you have ever seen for it stands on giant chicken legs and quite often it walks about the forest and this hut is the home of Baba Yaga. I do not advise that you knock at the door of Baba Yaga's hut no matter how much you have lost your way through the forest for Baba Yaga is a witch. On the edge of Baba Yaga's forest, there is a little village and everyone who lives there knows about the strange hut and the lady who lives inside. They know her and fear her for it has long been rumored that she likes to eat children. A long time ago, a man lived in this village with his beautiful daughter who was called Vasilisa. The girl's mother had sadly died some years before the start of this story. Before she died, she gave Vasilisa a wonderful gift. It was a little rag doll that did not look so different from any other. Vasilisa's mother told her that she had to take special care of the doll. Every night she must be fed a little bit of milk and a little biscuit. And so long she did so, the doll would always be ready to help her, no matter how much trouble she found herself in. Vasilisa did just as her mother told her, every night the little doll sat up and drank a little milk and ate a little biscuit before smiling at Vasilisa and then going to sleep. As time went by, Vasilisa's father decided to marry again. His second wife had two daughters of her own, neither of whom could touch Vasilisa for beauty or sweetness of character. In fact, they were quite jealous of Vasilisa and they hated her terribly. When Vasilisa's father was around, the stepmother and stepsisters had to pretend that they liked her, but every now and then, one of the sisters would whisper to Vasilisa, just you wait until your dear papa leaves us all alone with you, then you'll see. When Vasilisa had recently passed her 16th birthday, her father said that he had to go away on a journey and it would last about a month. Vasilisa begged him to take her with him. But he just laughed and said he was traveling on business and it was no place for a girl to be, and that girls needed to stay home and care for the home. The first night after Vasilisa's father had left, her stepmother gathered the three girls together and spoke to them. Now, my dears, I have a little task for each of you. Tanya, who was the oldest, go to my room, please, my dear, and sew a button on my red dress. Katya, the youngest, go to the kitchen table and roll some pastry so that it's nice and flat. And then she turned to Vasilisa. And Vasilisa, dear, go to Baba Yaga's hut in the forest and ask her to lend us some lights. Now, run along, sweetheart, don't be haste. We do not want you to get caught up in the dark now, do we? And Vasilisa's stepmother shooed her out of the house so fast, she hardly had time to put on her hat and gloves. She walked just outside of view of her stepmother and took out the little doll that was in her coat pocket where it had been sleeping. Oh, little doll, she said, my mother told me that if I fed you and looked after you, you would be ready to help me if I was ever in trouble. Well, I have fed you and looked after you and now I'm in terrible, terrible trouble. I must go to Baba Yaga and everyone knows that she is a dreadful, wicked witch. So please tell me, what am I to do? The little doll looked up at Vasilisa and said, Be as brave as you are beautiful, go to Baba Yaga's hut and no harm will come to you. Vasilisa mustered up all her courage and walked down the path that led through the woods to Baba Yaga's hut. After a while, the little girl heard the sound of galloping hooves coming up behind her. So she stood to the side of the road and let the horse ridden by a rider in a blazing red cloak shoot past her. Vasilisa wondered who was that before setting off on her way once again. A little further on she heard hooves again behind her so she stepped off the path again and this time the rider was in a cloak of dazzling white and sped past her down the path towards Baba Yaga's hut. Vasilisa continued on her journey towards Baba Yaga's hut herself until she heard hooves galloping behind her once more and this time the rider wore a cloak that was as black as night. Vasilisa wondered where these horsemen were going to. After about an hour of walking, Vasilisa came to a clearing in the forest. Although it was now getting quite dark, she had no trouble seeing, for this neck of the woods was lit up by skulls with blazing eyes. The skulls were mounted on top of a high fence. Beyond that fence, she saw the strange hut that stood on chicken legs. The hut turned around to face her and seemed to Vasilisa that the hut was looking at her. Then the chicken legs began to kneel and the hut lowered to the ground and the door creaked open. Baba Yaga's nose was so long and bony that it appeared through the door before the rest of her. A moment or two later, the nose was followed by a tall, skinny old woman holding a broom. Vasilisa was so frightened that her legs would not obey her when she told them to run. The old lady came towards her, but she did not walk, as her feet just flew a few inches above the ground. "'Well, child,' she said, "'did the cat catch your tongue? "'Or were you just badly brought up? "'Speak, child. Spit out your name and your business here. "'I haven't got all night to hover around while you tremble and gibber like an idiot.'" For a few moments, Vasilisa could not speak. She stood there terrified with this woman before her. But then she remembered the doll's words that no harm would come to her and eventually she found the courage to speak clearly. Hello, she said. My name is Vasilisa and my stepmother sent me to the forest to borrow a light from Baba Yaga. Did she now? said Baba Yaga thoughtfully. Well, I am Baba Yaga, but you may call me Babushka. Vasilisa brightened up a little bit, for babushka is a kind name that means grandmother. Baba Yaga went on, Now come with me into my hut. I will give you some simple tasks to do. If you are not lazy and you complete your work like a good little girl, I will give you the light you have asked for and let you go free. But, she said, if you do not manage these simple tasks, I shall cook you in my oven and eat you for dinner. Baba Yaga then let out an evil-sounding cackle. How do you like that for an offer? Vasilisa did not like this at all, but she had faith that all would be well and that she would complete the tasks and return with the light. She then curtsied and said, I like it well, dear Babushka, and she followed the old lady as she floated back to the door of her hut and said, locks unlock. The doors creaked open and then shut again behind Vasilisa as she stepped inside. The hut was surprisingly roomy, but a large part of it was taken up by a huge oven. Vasilisa had to hold in a scream because the house started to rise up on its chicken legs and move about the forest. She then realized that there would be no escape unless Baba Yaga let her out. The witch sat down at a table and gestured towards the stove. Fetch me my supper, dear, she said. Vasilisa brought over some bread and cheese for the old lady. Ah well, said Baba Yaga. Soon I shall be enjoying a nice plate of roast meat, thinly sliced and pink in the middle. With those words, she pinched Vasilisa's arm. Now tomorrow, my dear you must complete my little task. When I am away from the hut, you must tidy the yard, clean the hut, and cook pumpkin soup for my supper. Can you manage that? Why, yes, I can, Vasilisa said, who was relieved that the task did not sound by any means beyond her ability. That is good, said Baba Yaga, and when you have finished doing that you can, sort all of the kitchen pots and pans. Baba Yaga sat there and ate her bread and cheese with a tankard of frothy brown ale before falling asleep on top of thick fur, which rested above the stove, the warmest place in the hut. The hut continued to move around and Vasilisa felt quite queasy. She certainly did not have any appetite for herself, but before she lay down for the night, she did not forget to feed her little doll. When the doll had finished her supper, Vasilisa asked her, Oh dear, what have I done? How shall I ever get out of here? The little doll responded, Have courage and faith, and all will be well, for Baba Yaga is unable to tell a lie, and she is bound to keep her promise. The next morning, Baba Yaga arose from her bed on top of the stove and drank another tankard of ale before flying up the chimney onto the roof. Vasilisa looked out the window and saw the witch flying away above the trees, but this time she was riding in something that looked like a giant mortar, only it was much bigger than the usual mortar that you would find in a kitchen. Baba Yaga held a giant pestle in her hand which she used as a rudder to guide her flight vasilisa gazed at the witch until she was out of sight and then she started to clean and cook she managed to get everything done and get the soup on the cooker by midday but now she faced the impossible task baba yaga left her a note that stated that she had to sort out the black peas from the white ones in this massive bag of peas vasilisa thought there was no way she was able to sort these out for there must be thousands if not millions of peas in the sack She then heard a noise outside the hut. Oh no, she thought, Baba Yaga must be back early, now I am done for. But when she went over to the window and looked out, she saw not Baba Yaga, but the white horseman who had overtaken her on her way to the hut the day before. He galloped back and forth along the fence, and then he went off again into the woods. Vasilisa sighed and wished that he would come back, only to rescue her, whoever he might be, and take her away from Baba Yaga's hut. She then turned around towards the peas, and she saw that they had already been sorted into two piles, one black and one white. Her task was done. That evening, after Baba Yaga flew back home, she could not hide her surprise that her task had been done, and she managed to do it all in one day. Confused, Baba Yaga said, I see that you are a good little worker, my dear. Well, in that case, tomorrow you can make my pea soup and then go fetch some water from the stream to fill up the tank here. But you must use this bucket. What she handed to Vasilisa was not a bucket, but a sieve. And the poor girl wondered how she was ever going to manage to fetch water with it. Still, that night... When the little doll urged her not to feel despair, she knew in her heart that something wonderful might happen to her. The next morning, Baba Yaga flew off again in her mortar and pestle. Vasilisa walked down to the stream to complete her task. She stood by the stream with a sieve in her hand and wondering how was she ever going to fill up the water tank. Vasilisa then heard the sound of hooves galloping towards her again. This time it was the horseman in red, The horseman took the sieve from Vasilisa's hand and swept it over to the hut where he then hurled it through the window. Vasilisa returned to the house and then she noticed that the tank was filled with fresh water. She then started the soup and waited for Baba Yaga's return. That evening, when Baba Yaga did return, she dipped her bony long finger into the tank and tasted a drop of fresh water. Confused again, she said, Indeed, you are a hard working girl. Let's see if you are a clever one too. Tonight, you can stay up and count the number of stars in the sky. If you tell me the right number in the morning, you can take your light and go free. But, she said with an evil grin, if you tell me the wrong number, even if you tell me one star too many or too few, then I shall have you for my breakfast. That night, Vasilisa gazed out of the window at the sky and tried to count the stars, but by the time she got to a 100, she was no longer sure whether or not she was counting the same ones again or were they new ones, so she had to start all over many times. What didn't help matters is the fact that the hut kept moving around so her view kept changing. Eventually, Vasilisa began to sob quietly, She took out her little doll and said, "'Oh, dear little doll, who will come to my aid this time? "'I cannot guess the number of stars in the sky, "'and in the morning the witch shall surely eat me.' "'Do not worry,' said the little doll. "'Have courage and faith, and all will be well.' And it was, for at midnight the black horseman came riding up to the window where Vasilisa was sitting, and he whispered a number to her ear as if it was in a dream." It was a very big number, but I cannot tell you what it was, for it is a secret. But it was the exact numbers of stars in the sky that he told her. And in the morning, when Baba Yaga stepped with her bony legs onto the floor, Vasilisa said, Good morning, Baba Yaga. Shall I tell you the number of stars now? Barely awake, Baba Yaga yawned and said, Go on, child, tell me, but you had better not be wrong, for if you are, I shall eat you. Vasilisa told her the number, and Baba Yaga let out a terrible cry, and her eyes blazed like one of those skulls on the fence surrounding her hut. Who told you that? she demanded, so fiercely that Vasilisa sank back. Baba Yaga then picked up a plate and threw it across the room so it smashed against the wall. She then picked up a knife and turned towards Vasilisa. Surely she was meant to kill her. But, Baba Yaga, Vasilisa cried out. You promised that if I told you the number correctly, I could take a light and go free. Baba Yaga froze for a moment, and with a fierce glare, her eyes lessened somewhat. Ah, uh, yes, she said more calmly. So I did. I suppose it was morning, day, and night that helped you, with all of your tasks. It was them, wasn't it? Vasilisa nodded, for she now understood that the three horsemen were morning, day, and night. Then, you are a good girl, said Baba Yaga. For if morning, day, and night chose to help you, that means that your spirit is in harmony with the universe. I will do you no harm. Wait here while I go on my business. I have no task for you today. Tonight you shall return home with the light. That evening, after Baba Yaga flew home on her mortar, she took Vasilisa out into the yard. Take this, she said, as she gave her one of the skull's with blazing eyes. It will light up your stepmother and your two stepsisters very well. Vasilisa took the skull from Baba Yaga and thanked her, and returned back down the path towards the village. She expected that her stepmother would have found light by now, but in fact, the house was still not lit. She stepped into the house, the skull lit up the inside as bright as day. I'm home, called out Vasilisa, but she received no reply, for as soon as the light fell on her stepmother and sisters, they turned to dust. Vasilisa went to live with the kindly old lady in the village until her father returned from his business. When he came back he thought that his wife and stepdaughters must have run away. He did not miss them very much. He lived happily with his very beautiful daughter Vasilisa until one day a prince came riding by and caught sight of her. She was the most beautiful girl he had ever seen and he had no hesitation in asking her to marry him and they lived happily ever after. Doesn't this story make you want to move to a cabin in the woods? (laughs) I know it really does for me. As a kid, I never really thought much of this story. I found it was very similar to hearing about, you know, Cinderella or Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, so on and so forth. You know, I thought it was like some sort of fairy tale. And it does have those similar characteristics, right? So it has the female lead who's beautiful, young, an old witch, and then a prince, and then she lives happily ever after. But now that I'm older, Baba Yaga's story, and similar to other stories like the Yule Cat and Yule Lads from Iceland and even Krampus, is they are kind of made up to have people behave properly. That if you do certain tasks and you do them well, you are, in this circumstance, you are a good little girl. You know, it's kind of like there to educate people on how to behave properly in society, especially as a girl, right? Especially back then. That seems to be the common theme among these stories. And also, have you noticed that Vasilisa is a young, beautiful, young girl, whereas Baba Yaga is old and scary looking? That is the typical thing when it comes to witchcraft throughout centuries, is that it was always the older women who were deemed witches, and Baba Yaga's story is no different for that. One thing to note is that this story dates back to the late 1800s, and it is a Slavic folklore story. So we are looking at the regions of Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Czech Republic, and all of that surrounding area also. I also want to say that even some of the Nordic countries may have been influenced by this story or had influence on Baba Yaga's story. And that is because of Baba Yaga's hut. Now, I'm not saying that houses were built on top of massive chicken legs and walked around the forest. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all. But in this part of the world, and specifically in that time, there was no electricity and food was shared among the communities more than it is now. So food was kept in these storehouses, which were often on stilts, or built on top of rocks, and this was done to prevent rodents from entering and eating up the grains and the food that was stored inside these storehouses. This was especially true among the Sami people who lived in these regions also. If you want to see what I mean, do a quick search of Sami people's storehouse, and you will see what I mean about the influence and how it looks like Baba Yaga's hut. I found that quite interesting, and I also find it interesting how... These stories, these folk stories, tend to ebb and flow and influence different parts of regions within the same proximity to each other, you know? And depending where you are, it is slightly different, and depending on the translation, it is also slightly different. I have seen this story where there are no horsemen, and for example, Vasilisa is Natasha, like the names change even. But the common theme throughout these stories is that, you know, if she completes her task, she is a good girl and she'll be rewarded. I love Baba Yaga's story. I remember it from when I was a child and for some reason it brings back all these memories from back then. I love how she uses a mortar as a means of transportation and a pestle as a means of like guiding it. I think that is so awesome. And now that I'm a little bit older and wiser that she's basically a kitchen witch, (laughs) right? People love her and love her image, and she's basically, you know, witch goals. (laughs) She lives alone in the woods in a cabin. I mean, that is definitely witch goals, which I am trying to convince my husband to move to the woods with me, (laughs) so we shall see how that goes. A couple of differences that I also find interesting, um, one is regarding her house. It is constantly spinning, and in the story today, I said, locks unlock, and that's when the door opens up for them. But in other stories, it will only stop spinning if you say, little house, little house, turn your back to the forest and your front to me. Which I kind of like better in terms of what is being said than locks unlock, you know. And another difference is, you know how I said that some stories don't have horsemen? Well, in other stories the father brings their daughter to baba yaga's hut themselves and baba yaga gives her some tasks to do which she only completes with the help of mice which i think is really cute which she then becomes really rich and when she returns home to her father her stepmother and stepsisters notice how much more wealthy and how much more beautiful she has become so they send the stepdaughters over to baba yaga And because they're evil, they chase away the mice and then Baba Yaga like cuts them up into pieces because that is the horror side of the stories also. I honestly love how there are so many different versions of this story and it depends on the region or who translated it for it to like for it to be different. So this folk story today with Vasilisa dates back to the late 1800s but that is probably when it started getting written down and printed and translated into books. But with the etymology of her name it is definitely much older and the first writings or mentions of Baba Yaga actually date back even further to the 17th and 18th century, but that was when it was more of an oral tradition. So, with everything old and witchcraft related or folklore related, there always seems to be some differences on when it first happened, the origins of certain things. But one thing we know for sure is that Baba Yaga's story is so loved that it has lasted this long and changed and morphed into what she is today. Baba Yaga has been in plays, countless movies, operas, children's books, video games, and even comic books, or at least some depiction of her anyway. One example that's coming to mind is The Witcher, which, okay, side note, who is devastated that Henry Cavill is gone? (laughs) I'm so gutted by this. He was perfect. But anyway, if you want to get some books on Baba Yaga because you want to learn more or work with her, Madame Pamita's book, Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch of the Woods, is really, really good and very beautiful. I'm not sponsored or anything, but it truly is a beautiful book and I really, really like it. Baba Yaga is depicted mainly as an old witch, but there was a time, shocker, where she was perceived as a beautiful goddess. And just happens to be throughout history, she was changed into this old witch. But anyway, (laughs) she has reigned over the elements, life and death, and like I said, her stories change depending on the folklore. She was often sought out for guidance and did not eat people or was not evil. She is often associated with strong winds and the forest and protected the earth. But yeah, that is the story of Baba Yaga and some brief discussion about her. I really hope that you like the storytelling aspect of today. If it is something that you all like, um, I do plan on doing a little bit more of that depending on the tale because I really like folklore. I love folklore stories and there are so many out there that I find are so interesting and relevant to this podcast. But that is a wrap for now. I am going to go snuggle my cats and have a big cup of tea because it is snowing so beautifully outside and enjoy my last few hours of the weekend before I have to go back to work tomorrow. (laughs) It sucks, (laughs) I'm kidding. But man, wouldn't it be nice to just live in a cabin in the woods like Baba Yaga, right? (laughs) It's all we all dream for. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to support me, please like and follow this podcast on the platform you are listening from. Your support means so much to me. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, or if you just want to have a quick chat with me, you can follow me over on Instagram at paganologypodcast you can also use the hashtag paganology podcast to tag me in things and you can also email me at paganologypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com i will see you in the next episode stay safe be kind to each other but for now friends merry meet merry part and merry meet again This podcast is recorded on unceded Algonquin and Anishinaabe territory. Paganology is written, recorded, and edited by me, Ashley H.